It is that time again for a more analytical look at the week's top news stories in South Florida with our Powerhouse Roundtable. And we've rounded up a good one today. So introductions first. Mark Caputo covers Florida politics for Politico and writes the daily Politico Florida playbook. Doug Hanks is a veteran reporter for the Miami Herald who covers Miami-Dade County government and politics. And welcome aboard to Tissa McGee, an assistant professor at Barry University whose expertise is in social work and changing social dynamics. Tissa, welcome to the welcome. round table. We're hey, glad thanks for being we're, here. We're, so, we're so glad you were here. Hazing time. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> I was going to say. <laughs> Rough crowd. Welcome, welcome. Yeah. Uh, Doug Hanks, uh, you and David Smiley, others have been looking at... Uh, crowd Joey of Fletches, thousands. Joey Fletches, Joey. And Joey Fletches, and, and a team of reporters have been looking at this. It seems to me that... Uh, very cleverly, Team Beckham has done a kind of a shock and awe. Look at what we are proposing, a billion dollars. We're going to turn this into something great. And it may be great, but as Glenna was pointing out earlier with Ken Russell, a lot of these figures are just coming out of thin air. Yeah, it's amazing how much more we know now than we did a week ago, uh, sort of on the brink of this vote. I mean, we right. heard it was going to be a soccer stadium with a tech hub and entertainment. Well, the tech hub turned out to be up to a million square feet of office space, which right. turned out to be, would have been one of the largest in the feet. county. Yeah, and then, then they dropped down to 400,000, but it was too late to change the legislation right. because of procedural rules. So fast and furious by design, the city had a lot of this information, uh, did not share it, did not demand to have some of the documents. And really, I think under pressure from the media, some of this came out and a much fuller picture of the proposal came uh, it's, It formed. seemed like every time a day would come by, something else would land in the news. And credit to Miami New Times, who did a whole piece on the contamination there, which ended up, Mark, being the one thing that may tank the project, according to Jorge Mas, if those costs come in. But nobody ever really talked about that they knew about the environmental contamination. Mm -hmm. So this non-transparency is really concerning. Right. Aside from the the problem with the contaminated ground is that the deal itself sounds like garbage. The process is garbage. The Miami City Commission and Miami government are acting like garbagemen, and that's an offense to garbagemen. What they're doing is they're, they're making their rules, and they made their rules at the last commission hearing where people didn't know what the project was when they could speak in opposition to it, so your process is garbage. Then the numbers keep changing, so your numbers are garbage. And then in the end, they finally decide, you know what, we need to postpone this. The reality is, is that usually when you have stadium deals and you have developers getting together, the people who benefit are the millionaires and the multimillionaires, not the public. And yeah, Tessa, what, what is your impression I, here of the process? The transparency is the issue for me. Yes, I, I really do believe that the community stakeholders have not had an opportunity to really learn about what is going on. And so that's why there were so many people there in opposition. Yeah. But they need to really share what the what is going on with the actual project. You yeah, know, there, there, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. There is a neighborhood right to the east Correct. of this project called Grapeland Heights. It's a nice middle-class neighborhood. And uh, Commissioner Willie Gord, who represents that district, said, hey, nobody's ever gone over to Grapeland Heights and said, hey, what do you guys think about us building this huge development next door to you? Exactly. And, and actually, when that happened in Overtown, they, Commissioner Edmonton was the one that took the lead on making sure that there were meetings that were held to uh, right. inform the community and let them know about what was happening. That's what I was just so. going to bring that up. And the Team Beckham really did, when the site was in Overtown, really did a huge community outreach. Uh, Kian Hardiman, who's the commissioner whose district that is, 
and uh, and not only to Overtown, but Spring Garden across the Little Bridge. Doug, why not this time? Why not replicate that sort of outreach? Do you know? Well, I, well, I think that they had to win over the commissioners there. I mean, I think with the county level, Audrey Ebsen could have essentially vetoed that deal. Um, and time was their time was their friend in the city proposal because they were there. And I think as more information got out, it became more problematic. But let's not overlook what a moment in celebrity uh, <laughs> uh, prominence when you have David Beckham on the front row of City Hall in a folding chair watching the catastrophe of the, the last minute bickering, et cetera, et cetera. His prestige on the line doesn't get the yes vote. Now, will he next week? That's a different story. But, but also, one thing I would point out, David Beckham sat down with you in January. He did. Mm -hmm. And you said, are you going to play in Overtown? He used clever language. He certainly conveyed yes. I think the answer was I will much tell you what the answer is because I pulled it last okay. night to look at but, it. He says, this is our site. That's what he said. This is our site. Well, that was then. This is now. Yeah. And the he, situation changes. Uh, you know, Mark, you are very down on this project. I'm down on the way it's been brought up. And also, like, uh, let's not let Mayor Suarez off the hook. He's right. supposed to be some new young face of Miami. He's just like the old guys. It's just like, oh, hey, the developers want this and I'm going to make, I'm going to basically grease the skids well, so they can get through. Well, he's taking some risks, some political risks. Well, the political risks, I think, from a PR standpoint is that it looks like he's associated with a bad deal done in a bad way. Well, yeah. but can I just say, I've been a reporter in this community a long time. So have you. And you've seen uh, lots of bad deals. And I have seen <laughs> the Marlins Park deal, the worst deal yeah. in terms of, of stadia. But let me just say, I have known the Moss family, and Jorge Moss, I think, is a, a guy of real integrity, and Mostec is a Fortune 500 company. This is no fly-by-night kind of guy who's come in here and gotten behind the steel, but on the other hand, he, Doug, he's way out in front of everybody else. So the intentions might be yeah. good, but yeah. you would have to think about what what is the long-term and how did they actually bring this um, is it a rush to actually get this done? Well, it and, is a rush. And so that's, that's, the, that's the real um, reason why everybody's concerned about. When you're doing things in a rush, it makes it feel like there could be something underlying. Yeah. And that's, I think, why there's so well, much Well, I mean, attention. that's why Ken Russell said to us earlier, I pumped the brakes on Thursday, and maybe they'll pump them again on Wednesday. So stay with us. We'll be back with more Roundtable in just a minute. Welcome back. You know, in uh, South Florida this week, both Florida's senator and the man who wants to replace him both came down, both sort of focused on the Hispanic vote. Um, Governor Scott was in Little Havana. Was it Hialeah or Little Hialeah. 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 And uh, really proposed some things that we've heard before about, such as indicting Raul Castro for the Brothers to the Rescue shoot down, uh, right. toughening up on different, um, tightening the, the noose around Cuba. And um, Mark Caputo, this is something that a governor for eight years has never, has never brought up before. Yeah, it's the first time I've ever heard of it. Uh, but not uh, kidding, obviously. Yeah, it's interesting though that uh, Governor Scott's not talking about Russia, because on Friday there was a big uh, indictment of a bunch of Russian military right. agents. Good point. But yet the governor has been in kind of an approach avoidance conflict with President Trump. Mm -hmm. President Trump encouraged him to run for the United States Senate, and Governor Scott fundraised for President Trump's presidential campaign. But now that we're in the teeth of the election, 
there seems to be a little more distance that the governor is putting between himself right. and Russia. Well, I think right now Russia is our top foreign policy story outside it, of Honduras. It, it, yeah. it, it is. In fact, I have asked the governor the last couple of times he's been in town, is President Trump going to come? Is he going to campaign with you? Have you asked him to come campaign with you? And he said, I'd welcome anybody prominent coming to campaign for me. I mean, he hardly can mention the name Trump. Uh, so he's in kind of a bind. And the other thing, Doug, is that a lot of the Florida business interests, you know, really don't like the trade, the tariff policies because they're going to be hurt by it. Yeah, that's uh, that's it's kind of a tough position for the president in terms of the traditional Republican Party positions. My question on Trump, though, is he's relatively popular in Florida compared to other of mm -hmm. his sort of swing states. Is Trump a, a negative for Rick Scott in this well, election? So far, though, he is better. Uh, that is, the president's approval rating is better here. He's still negative in most surveys. However, the president is wildly popular among Republicans. And I think, Tissa, the, not, not necessarily Trump as president, but some of the actual issues that are very important to Florida, right. like immigration exactly. and those kind of things. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, and I think the governor is trying to appeal to the base that he is trying to get to vote for him here. Right. And that is the reason why he's um, distancing himself from um, the president. And I think the immigration issue is, is really a big part of that. Uh, it is well on Friday when I covered his uh, appearance in Hialeah. Uh, I mean, there is a hard line on Cuba and then there is a line he took, which is the most severe. I mean, they're parts of the Libertad Act that have never, they've always been waived by presidents going back to uh, Bill Clinton, I guess. And, and Scott is saying they should not be waived. We ought to be much tougher on the Castro regime. And as Lena pointed out, he says Raul Castro should be indicted for the Brothers to the Rescue Shoot-Down. That was 22 years ago. I said to him, Governor, three presidents have looked at that incident and have not asked the Department of Justice to indict anybody, why would they do it now? And he said, just because they didn't in the past doesn't mean they shouldn't now. That's, well, that's a good point. I think another point that he did make, though, is that Cuba is exporting <laughs> its destabilizing intelligence and security apparatus, yeah. both to Venezuela and yeah. now it appears Honduras. The Miami Herald had an interesting story about how some people who are uh, being tortured or are in prison are hearing Cuban accents mm. of, of the security personnel. So Cuba does look like a clear and present problem in the hemisphere, according to the reports we have. Yeah. But there's also the question of to what degree is Russia also participating? Yeah, of course. Doug, what do you make of the FIU poll that shows among Hispanics? Governor Scott is leading Senator Bill Nelson, even in the components of the Hispanic electorate who are Democrats. Uh, that that's is surprising. Yeah, that pretty good poll. poll. <laughs> yeah. Pretty good position to be in for Rick Scott. For sure. I mean, yeah. I, I'm just kind of surprised. Even he does does well in the Puerto Rican uh, electorate, which you would think would there would be blowback from the Trump administration's response uh, to the but, but to the hurricane. Why is there right? Not but Nelson Nelson shows up better among Puerto Rican voters. Uh, than Scott does. Apparently, what what's going on? And correct, you reported I, yeah, on this. I don't this. know. I don't know if that's the case. Actually, the, the 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 FIU poll that I did see was of Puerto Rican voters. There wasn't a head-to-head -head matchup. Governor Scott had a higher favorability rating uh, mm -hmm. than Senator Nelson. Uh, yeah. But it's because he's just better known. He's done a better job welcoming to the community. Yeah. I was going to say he's got he's got the presence that they uh, are aware of, and so they don't know as much about Nelson. But I think that that yeah. can be changed. But you're also looking at there's a, a big demographic that uh, of that Hispanic vote that is undecided. 
And who's going to capture that sure. um, that base? So I, we need to. I think it's a look? third of Florida. Yeah, absolutely. Who is registered? Absolutely. And the other the Not other partisan. element, and just to comment on this is that Bill Nelson, in my view, has not paid really close attention to the African-American vote. Now, he was in Liberty City last, last week. week, and then right. he went to a black neighborhood for a rally in Tampa. But if black voters don't come out in big numbers, right. he's toast. Right. He needs to do more in terms of the appeal. And I, I, I heard last week when you said it, was it too late? He actually still has time, and he needs to make that um, a priority. I definitely think that the black vote is something that he needs to be going Is it after. just a show up and knock on the door, or is it something he needs to do? Well, there's there's lots of issues in the black community that he, I think, could be addressing in a better way that, than he has before. So. Affordable housing mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. uh, jobs. Jobs, absolutely jobs. That's like probably the number one. Economics is going to be a, a big issue in this race. Sounds like Governor mm -hmm. Scott gets that because that's what he says when you see him. <laughs> and the economy is no really what, good. Yeah, I mean, yeah it's, the it's tough. Quick Gover break. Governor with a great economy. Good Quick candidate. break, and we will be right back for another round of Roundtable. Stay tuned. Welcome back and a little race segue here. Candidate for Florida Governor Ron DeSantis was also in town, also in the Hispanic communities. And that that sort of DeSantis and Adam Putnam um, race has sort of bubbled to the surface for all kinds of reasons. And boy, is that contentious, this Republican primary for Florida Governor Doug handicap that for us this week. <laughs> I don't like do handicaps, but it's just so- The matrix. <laughs> it's so interesting to see the Donald Trump effect in in all things Republican politics and mm -hmm. it's just you see it again and again and I would say his scorecard is generally pretty good in terms of his picks going forward. Is, I don't know if you agree, if you all agree with his, that but wait but his, what does that mean? Meaning like that generally when he weighs in generally yeah that's well, it wasn't oh, true of oh, Roy see. Moore yeah. in Alabama Correct, but, but that was tough one. Sweet generous. Tough, tough that stuff. was that yeah. was different but you know uh, Mark, when uh, when the president says Ron DeSantis is my guy, would be a great governor, I think in Florida that's got some weight. It does have weight. Uh, the question is, will President Trump come down and campaign for Adam Putnam? Or pardon me, for Ron DeSantis? No. Yeah. Uh, I think <laughs> no on Putnam, possibly on DeSantis. So if he does, I think that really has more kind of game-changing like qualities. You know, the yeah. debate that they had, uh, Adam Putnam's thing was, I'm Florida, I'm Florida, I'm Florida, and Ron DeSantis yeah. is not. Understand, yeah. DeSantis is from Florida. He was born here, he was raised here. Right. So, and he knows the issues. It's gonna be an interesting race because you have kind of this, uh, the, the candidate from Fox News, which is Ron DeSantis, and you have Adam Putnam, who's the yeah. candidate of the yeah. Republican establishment. Yeah, but Tissa, I mean, it seems to me that whoever the Democratic candidate for governor is, mm -hmm. is praying that Ron DeSantis is the nominee because Mr. DeSantis, smart guy, right. is really, really conservative. And if it's, say, Gwen Graham or Philip Levine or whoever, you know, Andrew Gillum, whoever the the nominee is, is going to look relatively moderate compared to, Gill I mean, to uh, DeSantis. DeSantis. Right. So they, whoever the Democratic nominee is going to be, we, we're going to have to be paying a lot of attention to what they have to say and, and what are some of the issues that they're going to be addressing in, um, in this race so that they can get the attention. Well, this, this week, mm -hmm. I mean, as two women sitting here, this week uh, Gwen Graham was talking about uh, reproductive rights right. and, and protecting a woman's right to choose, and she's the only woman who can speak 
as she can in that race, do you think uh, uh, that's a, a theme that will win her votes? Absolutely. I think she's got a lot of women that are um, now rallying behind her. I see that Ruthless is really supporting her right. um, in terms of the electorate. So it, I think she has a good chance to represent that voice. And that issue mm -hmm. actually just yeah. bubbled to the surface because of the Supreme Court exactly. vetting and uh, of Judge Kavanaugh, who has uh, you know, a record of leaning toward taking that right away. So that, that's interesting. Mark, that race, um, Democratic race for governor, who, who has bubbled to the surface there? Uh, for me, an interesting question might be who might bubble to the surface fastest, mm -hmm. and it might be Andrew Gillum. He's the only African-American in the race, right. and the Tallahassee mayor. And he just got the support of Tom Steyer and his next-gen organization. Right. Tom Steyer is the California billionaire who has said, not only am I going to support him, not only am I going to give him money, but I'm going to give him access to my organization, 50 yeah. field staffers throughout. That could make a real difference for Andrew Gillum. So mm -hmm. if it turns out to be an Andrew Gillum versus Ron DeSantis race, a very progressive far-left candidate, a very conservative far-right candidate, what, what does Florida, a, a one-third independent voter state, purple, who, where votes and elections are won by the sliverest of margins? What happens to So that? many elections. It's the great test of the blue wave theory, right, in November, because a Gillum candidacy would, for him to be the nominee, that would be a blue wave moment. And so then that will be put to a test, and if... Donald Trump ends up triumphant with the Republican Congress once again. Uh, you know, will Florida be the outlier or will Florida be part of that trend? That, I think that matchup would be the best. Now, can I offer one local take of if course. that's the matchup? Of course. <laughs> if Philavine doesn't become the nominee, I say watch him for mayor of Miami-Dade County in 2020. I think that's going to be a very crowded race. I think our viewers should know that Doug Hanks is the king of the mayoral matrix. <laughs> He's got the matrix out, and matrix watch yeah. is always on the uh, yeah. burner there. Uh, going back to the Democratic race, though, I've got to say, I haven't talked to the Gillum campaign about it. Nobody could, I did moderate a debate between where uh, a forum where Green and uh, Gillum were there, and they were both good. It was at a black church in, in Liberty City or in Miami Gardens, and it was really Gillum's crowd. He was he is really charismatic. It's usually Correct. Gillum's crowd right. is the thing. But I've got to say, nobody is happier for Jeff Green to get in and spend all this money than Gillum because if he gets younger voters of every ethnicity, race, and everything, and then he gets a big black turnout, you know, he could wind up as the as the Democratic nominee. I don't think that's so far-fetched. You know, I think that that is a, a very good possibility. And I think he's doing a lot now to um, to build up that um, reputation that he can make uh, a good governor. That so. he's, and that he's viable. Because mm -hmm. mm -hmm. Gillum has two strengths. One, as an African-American, about 28, 29% of the Democratic vote is African-American. And then two, white progressives. A lot of the yeah. people I know who are progressive, who are white, really like Andrew Gillum the best. On that note... Great roundtable. Great to have you all with us. Awesome. Thank Thanks you. so much. Thank you. Appreciate it. We'll see you again. Come back. Hope all so. Right. Thank you.